I've got two Ford Anglias and a national crime. I've got Westminster Abbey in my pocket. Oh. Hello there, and welcome to Date Fight. It's the show where we take great moments from history and we pit them against each other. He's Jake Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have looked through everything that has happened in all of the past, and we've picked out the best things to have happened on this day, and we need to argue about which is best. So let's kick off. Let's. Round one! You're going first, first. Diego, yeah, yeah. I can see how excited you are. (laughs) I love this one, I love this story. Um, Let's go to the 25th of December, 1066. The coronation of William the Conqueror. Gosh. So William the Conqueror had been king of England for two months, roughly. Um, and not many people thought that he should be the king because they thought they should be the king on the whole. Um, so he had been travelling around London, setting fire to things, saying, I'm the king now. <laughs> Look at that fire. Just be le roi. And he decided to get uh, crowned on Christmas Day. In Westminster Abbey. So he brought all of the nobles of England together, who were all sort of muttering, oh, French. (coughs) Stupid day for Uh, (laughs) roast on. (laughs) Brought them all together and they crowned him. But everyone was a bit worried that there would be some sort of outburst, that people might try and kill him, there might be an assassination attempt. So there were lots of guards posted outside Westminster Abbey to make sure no one got in and started doing whatever Saxons could do to assassinate someone, (laughs) thrusting at him with a sharpened pole, I don't know. Uh, so buzzing a cobble. <laughs> so the, during the coronation, at one point, the bishop said, "Who here wants William to be king?" And everyone, with one voice, went, "Hey, we do, we all do. Let's make him king!" But they shouted so loud that all the guards outside thought that there was a commotion, and so they panicked and set fire to London. Seriously, seriously, they went, "Oh, that's a terrible sound. What should we do? Oh, we should set fire to all of Westminster." <laughs> That's a great default strategy. According to Audric Vitalis, the armed guard outside, hearing the tumult of the joyful crowd in the church and the harsh accents of a foreign tongue, because they didn't understand English, so when everyone said, yeah, he should be king, uh, what does this mean, please? Um, (laughs) They imagined some treachery was afoot and rashly set fire to the buildings. The fire spread rapidly from house to house. The crowd, who had been rejoicing in the church, took fright, and throngs of men and women of every rank and condition rushed out of the church in frantic haste. Only the bishops and a few clergy and monks remained terrified in the sanctuary, and with difficulty completed the consecration of the king, who was trembling from head to foot. (laughs) Almost all the rest made for the scene of the conflagration, some to fight the flames, and many others hoping to find loot for themselves in the general confusion. Fantastic! The English, after hearing of the perpetration of such misdeeds, never again trusted the Normans who seemed to have betrayed them, but nursed their anger and bided their time to take revenge. Do you think that was the beginning of our xenophobia towards France? <laughs> Maybe, that, was that not the one? keen on the French. Ground zero. Yeah. Amazing. It's a, such a lovely story. Of I, cultural confusion. It's always lovely when something well-intentioned goes, <laughs> goes horribly, horribly wrong, wrong. As long as it's not happening to you. Yeah. <laughs> what should we do? Set on fire! Do <laughs> everything! <laughs> Brilliant. Well, so there seems to be some sort of commotion inside. What should we do? Yeah, sit on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's my Christmassy story. Gosh, uh, I don't think I can rival that. I can have a go. I'm going to take you back to Christmas Day 1950, mm. 
when the Stone of Scone, or if you oh. prefer, the Stone of Scone, mm. the traditional coronation stone mm-hmm. of British monarchs, is taken from Westminster Abbey. It was nicked by some students, Scottish students who were nationalists, mm. and it took four months to find it. And I love the story. So that they, in December... These students from Glasgow, they, they were financed by a businessman, a, a nationalist businessman in Scotland. They hop into two Ford Anglias and they drive all the way down from Glasgow to London. It takes... That's the least appropriately named car you could have picked. What's it called? English. Perfect irony. It takes them 18 hours to get there. Right. Uh, and then they have a quick meeting. And they decide... Let's just go for it. We'll just go for it. So they 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 just think, let's just nick it. We're going to nick the stone, the stone of scone, right? And they fail. Uh, what happens is one of them hides under a trolley mm. in the abbey. Um, but a night watchman's like, what are you doing? Just <laughs> no, nothing, nothing. The next day, two others observe the watchman's shifts. It's proper kind of, uh, you need some like some vibes and bass, yeah. you know, boom. <laughs> uh, and then uh, in the middle of the night, uh, they broke in uh, and got into the chapel and they nicked the stone that was under King Edward's chair. And while they were doing it, they dropped it oh, no. and it crashed to the floor and it broke into two pieces. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, what have we done? What have we done? The relic of our yeah. heritage. I can't move it. I can't move it. It's too heavy. They hadn't thought of how heavy it was. So they have to use the coat of one of them as like a sort of yeah. drag sled mm-hmm. and drag it down the steps. Bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> uh, they Chipping take the, bits off all the way. Yeah. They take the smaller piece to one of the cars waiting outside, stick it in the boot. And did then the, did the wheels fall off and the <laughs> I will come on to that. They don't fall off. It's not that good. But uh two of them, so there's a uh there's a woman called Kay Matheson. Uh they suddenly she sees a, a policeman coming. And so with the other student, she's like, Quick! And they just start smooching, pretending that, yeah, it's five in the morning and we're just lovers and we're just having a lovely a lovely kiss. <laughs> And we're stone. lovers. We're lovers, and we kiss all the. T- ignore the stone. Uh, ignore the fact that the boot's a bit saggy. So the policeman's like, oh, "Excuse me, hello, hello, what's going on here?" And uh, they're like, "Oh, we're just smooching and stuff," even though it's five a.m. Uh, and they have a they have a fag with the policeman. Yeah, they have a cigarette and share some jokes. Uh, and then they're like, "Oh, right, well, we must be off. We finished smooching and smoking now. Uh, we're, we're, we're off now." And what a lovely uh, couple. And they drive off, and mm. then Hamilton gets out of the car and walks back to the Abbey to get the other bit of stone, the heavier bit. And he can't find the other students there. So he has to drag this massive piece of stone to the car by himself. <laughs> and as he's driving away, he sees the other two. He's like, Well, where are you? The stone was so heavy, the wheels didn't fall off, but the springs on the car were sagging. It looked like some kind of low riser gangster car, which is exactly what it was. So they suddenly get paranoid and think, oh, the alarm's been raised. We, we've got to go. We've got to go. Let's drive to uh, rugby. So they drive to rugby. And the other ones drive to Kent, right. which seems like a bad... You're trying to get it to, yeah, Scotland. to, get to Scotland. So heads, well, heads south east. You know, yeah, good, uh, good plan. No one will look in Kent. <laughs> it's the Garden of England. Stones don't belong in gardens. And they hop on a train. They leave the stone with sympathetic people. 
and Scottish people. they hop on a train back to Scotland. The authorities are like, oh, the stone's missing. How, and how did they notice? Was there a beady-eyed cleric wandering around going, well, presumably, I'm sure there was a stone here. I, I don't know. I mean, presumably there's quite a big sign of detritus and bits. <laughs> broken like they, bits of well, broken scone stone. Yeah, exactly. And so when they find out that it's happened, the authorities close the border between Scotland and England. This is in 1950, wow. for the first time in 400 years. Yeah. Then... So actually, taking it to Kemp was a very good idea. It actually was. Two weeks later, Hamilton and some friends, including a guy called John Jocelyn who, ironically, his 21st great-grandfather was Edward I. Mm. Uh, they recovered the two pieces and brought them up to Glasgow once the heat it had died, died down yeah. a little bit. And then they had to get uh, a guy, a stonemason, to mend the stone. We've got the stone! Mend go- a st- There's no can such you thing as mending a stone. That's not a thing you can do unless you're a volcano. You can. No, you can stick two bits of a stone back together. Yes, you can, with a brass rod inside it. That's breaking it even more. It's now even less of the stone than it was before. Which contains a piece of paper. And to this day, nobody knows what's well, written just take on it the piece apart of... If it can be stuck back together oh, once. Oh, really? <laughs> Four months go by, and in April 1951, the police get a message, and it's been found, the stone, on the site of the high altar at Arbroath Abbey, where, in 1320, the assertion of Scottish nationhood was made in the Declaration of Arbroath. Mm. It was finally returned to Westminster Abbey in February 1952. Broken. Broken with a bit of paper in it. Yeah, I mean, saying I think... The English I think the sy- <laughs> IDT, INDT. <laughs> I think the symbolism of taking it and presenting it back uh, at our broth is undermined somewhat by the fact that in the process you smashed it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Stella, was it? <laughs> it's now got a bit of polyfill around it, a little white line. Most of the students confessed to their involvement. Hamilton did not. Uh, but they decided not to pursue any criminal proceedings. Oh. I think they thought, oh, this this could actually get quite... A, we could end up having like a referendum in 50 years <laughs> if we're not careful. <laughs> so they decided to abandon it. Hmm. Two great Christmas Two stories there. Great Westminster Abbey stories. Yes. Wow. How Christmassy and fun. Lovely. Let's do the birthday. Anyone yep. interesting born today, Nat? Let's have a look. Go to zero BC. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Alice de Lacey, born on this day, fourth Countess of Lincoln. In her long and eventful life, Alice was married three times, the first at the age of 12. Oh, crikey. I had that down as Alistair. No, sorry. <laughs> Alistair Lacey. Yeah, Alice de Lacey. She was widowed twice, abducted, imprisoned, and had her inheritance extorted from her by her nephew. Wow. But according to the chronicles throughout her life, she remained generous and respected by her subordinates and those who were dependent on her. You're going to be respected by people who are dependent on you. Now, before I give you this, do you respect me? Yes. Of course yes, I do. Yes, I yeah. respect you. One thousand percent, Lord oh, so Sugar. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Alistair. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like a pretty rotten yeah. existence, in all honesty. Yep, but she remained gracious and generous and respected by everyone who needed something from her. Right. So the message you're putting out there is whatever atrocities are performed towards you, be nice. Doesn't it? 
happy birthday to Dorothy Wordsworth. She's the other Wordsworth. Wordsworth's sister. And she's not, she's Wordsworth herself, but you know. And what are her Wordsworth? Uh, not as much as her brothers, but still quite a lot. She, um, when their parents died, all of the Wordsworth children were split up. And she was reunited with her brother William in 1795. And then they lived together for a long period of time at Alfoxton House in Somerset. They became inseparable companions. They lived in poverty and would often beg for cast-off clothes from their friends. Until William became a really famous poet. This feels a bit Jerry Springer. <laughs> I mean, let's bit, not dig too far bit, into the diaries of Dorothy Wordsworth. Also, happy birthday to Dido! Not the ancient queen of Carthage who so entranced Aeneas, but the winner of the MTV Europe Award for Best New Act in 1999. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that... Uh, she, Her full name is Dido Florian Cloud de Bonville O'Malley Armstrong. Rumbles, wumbles. Not I didn't only know. a Dido in there, you've got a Florian and a Cloud and a de Bonville and an O'Malley. She actually was named after the Dido who was queen of Carthage. I thought that was a stage name. I had no idea it was actually her name. No, nope, that's actually her real name. Her brother's name is Rollo. Ah, oh, classic. Very, uh, very Bristol name, that. Oh, quick death day question. Would you rather die before or after the present? Would you rather die having them, knowing what they are, and never being able to use them, or never seeing what they are? If you're this dying is, on Christmas Day. This is a J.J. Abram question, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want the payoff or do you not? I want to know. I can't bear surprises. Like, like when I know... would be miserable that you never get to use it. Because you're dying. Well, you're not going to be miserable for long. Is you going to be... Dead. Yeah. Okay. What about you? I think I'd rather be anticipating something when I die. Really? Yeah. Oh, you little J.J. Abram. <laughs> <laughs> Happy death day to W.C. Fields, who died today of a gastric hemorrhage. He was so wonderful. In his final moments, Carlotta Monti, his nurse, used a hose to simulate rain on the roof because he liked the sound. Oh, that's sweet. It's lovely, isn't it? Ironic, because famously he said how much yeah. he disliked, disliked water. Because of what fish do in it. Uh, happy death day to Leon Schlesinger, the founder of Warner Brothers Cartoons. And also, happy death day to Margreta Mayner, a photographer who was one of the most famous photographers in the world from 1915 to 1935, but was almost forgotten after her death. Not by us. Happy death day, Margreta. Quite right. Round two! Okay. Mm. I'm taking you back to Christmas Day 2004. Okay. Because you know what doesn't stop for Christmas? No. Space. <laughs> space doesn't stop for Christmas. Oh, but space created Christmas. Oh, Look, that's... in the east, a star, is, a baby is born. You're so right. Uh, this is not that. This is the Cassini Orbiter, oh. uh, which releases the Huygens Probe, <laughs> uh, which lands on the Saturnian moon Titan. Ah. Oh. Uh, now, it takes quite a while to get there. It takes the best part of three weeks to get there. Right. But that probe Did is... Did they get a second Christmas when it got there because it hadn't celebrated? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, it's like sort of driving to the grandparents on yeah. Christmas Day. You sort of had, we'll it, have another it had a little Christmas <laughs> that morning. And then when it got to Titan, yeah. it had a sort of proper, proper Christmas. Yeah. The point being, this is... My favourite, I think, of all the space missions there have ever mm. been because you can watch the landing. You can actually what? see the surface of a moon of Saturn as the probe lands on it. 
So even though like it's not the best imagery in the world, it's kind of like a fisheye lens yeah, thing. It's 2004. So. But you could, yeah, exactly. Like there were no filters. No. So hashtag no filter, <laughs> hashtag Titan, hashtag summer feelings 2017. Titan is an extraordinary place. It is considered to have the highest current habitability oh, rating. Oh, so that one with the liquid water? Of any known world other than Earth. It doesn't have liquid water. It has liquid methane. Okay. And what happens is it rains methane. It's so cold. Mm-hmm. It's like minus 180 degrees Celsius. But rain falls, droplets of methane fall. But before they hit the surface, they evaporate again. So it's mm-hmm. rain that never actually lands. But you can see on this footage of, of it coming into land, there are valleys and dry riverbeds and there are pebbles on the riverbed made of ice, mm. water ice, that's just as hard as rock because it's minus 180 right. degrees Celsius there. And it is a, a fascinating place and people have posited this theory that you you could have, with, with the elements and the sort of hydrocarbons and things that are there, you could potentially have a kind of life form that didn't work mm-hmm. based on water, yeah. but based on methane. They think it it is conceivably possible that it could happen so is it tight there's one of saturn's moons that has under one of its poles liquid water we found out in the last year or two is i think that europa i think it's either europa or io okay. yeah io i think so we imagine is, there's probably some sort of bacteria like our vent bacteria that hang around here it's entirely least. possible the reason there's liquid water on it is because the gravitational force mm-hmm. of saturn is constantly effectively kneading it yeah like a ball because it's it's almost all liquid. Yeah. And because of that movement, the water okay. never freezes. It's, mm-hmm. it's certainly cold enough to, but it, it doesn't because of that. Uh, anyway, most habitable place other than Earth mm. in the solar system. Warren Buffett presumably is in negotiations. Yeah. I mean, we've just released our first organisms onto the moon, haven't we? Have we? Tardigrades, yes. A bunch of tardigrades got accidentally dropped on the moon when we went there. I love the tardigrades. Yeah. So they're on the moon now, chilling out. Very much so. You can't kill a tardigrade. You cannot kill a tardigrade. No matter what you try and do to it. They're the best things ever. Yeah. This is a big shout going out to any tardigrade listeners. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) Not that you celebrate it, you intergalactic. Oh, tardigrades of comfort and joy. (laughs) Oh, tardigrade, oh, tardigrade. How multifarious are your walking pegs? Uh, <laughs> they don't have feet. I don't know what they're called. Um, I'm going to go to the 25th of December, 1979, when Soviet forces enter Kabul, starting the Afghan war. This was this was more important when we were doing it competitively because yeah, the, you would have rocked that. Soviet Afghan war um, a created the Taliban, one of the foundational movements for modern terrorism, uh, trained Osama bin Laden. Um, and also, it is the expense of pursuing the Afghan war. That led, in part, to the end of the Soviet Union. So their decision to enter Kabul in 1979 on Christmas Day led to the end of the USSR and the birth of modern terrorism. So that was really just one for the points. It's not very Christmassy. (laughs) (laughs) A lovely note to end on. (laughs) Yes, ordinarily we would have scored this. Uh, We would have decided who'd won each round, and Mm -hmm. that would have been accrued towards the end of the week, where on Sunday there would have been some sort of forfeit and hijinks would ensue. Not this week, though. We're having a Christmas truce this week. So that pretty much... think it's robbed this of any urgency? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I could tell by the urgency with which you answered. <laughs> <laughs> so that concludes our Christmas Day Bonanza Merry Special. Christmas. If you can think of anything else of note that happened today in history, why not drop us a line? We're mm. at date underscore fight on Twitter, or we've got our Facebook page. Facebook page. Yeah, it's all there. Or just tell us. It's all on you now. Yeah, just ring us up. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for Thank listening. You so much. We do appreciate part of your it. Christmas with us. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening retrospectively, because let's face it, the telly's mm-hmm. quite good on Christmas Day. Uh, well, thank you for taking the trouble. And uh, do subscribe, do share, yes. do rate, Let do review. everyone know. In fact, if you are still wrapping Christmas presents, why not slip a little thing in saying, why not try Date Fight? It's a great new podcast. In fact, if someone has a new device they've got today, why not go and subscribe to Date Fight on that device for them so that when they boot it up, they're already there waiting for them. What greater gift could there be than greater one of love these? hath no man. <laughs> <laughs> that he subscribe. <laughs> to a slightly needy podcast about historical facts. Yeah. Okay, great. Bye, see you soon. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.